I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, listen up. This is the SEC Insider Hit, powered by Miss Kelly Furniture, Mississippi's number one, number one sleep store. (laughs) SEC Insider Hit today brought to you by the Purple Mattress. Any of the seven Miss Kelly sleep stores in Mississippi. The one and only Purple Grid, groundbreaking, no-pressure gel technology is the star of every Purple mattress at any of the Miskelly Sleep Stores in Mississippi. Wendy and I sleep on the Purple mattress. We love it, and you will too. Try one out today. ESPN 105.9 The Zone, the Out of Bounds Show. Welcome in our friend Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN, among other things. Tom Luganbill, what's up, buddy? Good morning, pal. How are you? I'm good, man. You in Charlotte or on the road? No, I'm in Charlotte. I head on the road this last weekend for my last XFL game. I've got Vegas at Seattle, so I got a Whoa. long weekend. <laughs> a long weekend with a red eye uh, coming back, and then um, you know we've been really ramping up our evaluation efforts. Obviously, with the coaches being able to get on the road and the transfer portal now opening back up and just had a recruiting update uh, for, for player ranking. So things never slow down. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to miss the XFL, man. This has been some of the most fun I have had broadcasting in the last 18 years of this company. That's great. That's what we need every now and then. Something a little, just even if it's just slightly, just a little new and different. I know you. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, and for you, you do both. You do both. You're. Well, you can do in-studio, you can do the sideline, and you can do the color analyst in the booth. So I think that's probably been fun for you, too. It has. It's You know, I've always been one of those guys, the more you can do, the more valuable you are, and the harder it is for them to get rid of you, right? So, you know, proving your value and proving your worth. I remember about I was probably two years into ESPN. This would have been around 06. 607 and had one of our talent coordinators said to me, Hey, listen, you know, have you ever 
considered anchoring a show or being utilized as a reporter. And I, you know, I was so new to it. I was like, no, you know, right now I'm just a studio analyst. And he said to me, if you get asked to do something, even if you're not sure you can do it, don't say no. Mm. So lo and behold, 18 years later, um, I was asked to be a sideline reporter. Then I was asked to be a field analyst plus a reporter. Um, I did almost eight years of studio shows where I was either the analyst or I doubled as the host and the analyst. And then, as you referenced, I've been a field analyst in the last 10 years of college football and ABC and then doing, you know, midweek Mac games and, and Sunbelt games up in the booth and then being in the booth for the last 10 weeks here. So I just think it's really important in any line of work to diversify you know, whatever your talents are, figure out a way to multiply them. What's your favorite? Um, I would probably say because the blend of challenge and interaction and being so up close and right next to it, I would say the field analyst role. Because the one thing that I, I get when I'm on the field down there is I can actually hear conversations that people at home can't hear the guys in the booth can't hear. I can see things from a perspective that they can't see from their bird's eye view. And just having that energy and the, the sideline and the emotion, there's a lot of satisfaction to that. But I will say this, from a booth perspective, the XFL has been not only the most challenging job I've had here, but the most fun because of all of the audio and all of the access and it, and it's a totally different broadcast. So, you know, in the XFL, we as the broadcasters and the product on the field aren't necessarily the most important thing. The most important thing is the audio and the access. That's our bouncing ball. So we follow that bouncing ball and then we respond off of it where in a traditional broadcast, you know, it's play by play sets up the play. A color guy gives analysis after the play is concluded, and then on to the next play. Very formulaic. This is anything but formulaic. This thing can go in however many directions it could possibly go, and you never know what's coming, so it keeps you on your toes. Nice. So uh, Vegas and Seattle this week. This is the last one for Tom Luganville uh, as far as XFL game. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Tell me, uh, I want to talk recruit. You mentioned recruiting earlier. Can you... uh, Mm -hmm. Your number 16 pro- prospect, uh, Jamonta Waller out of Picayune. Can you uh, yeah. tell me what you think about this young man? He is highly, highly rated. Uh, yeah, he, he is highly rated, and he's really, really gifted. Um, I think the thing, you know how we keep hearing this term edge lately? Mm-hmm. Like, We've gone from using the outside linebacker term or the defensive end term, and we've now labeled the, the tweener guy, the in-between guy, as an edge player. That's, that's what he is, all right? Because he's, you know, he doesn't have tremendous length in the sense that he's not going to be a six foot five, six foot four, six foot six, hand on the ground defensive end, all right? But he's got a little bit more length than your traditional linebacker and he can he's got natural pass rush instinct so he's one of those guys that you want in an an overhang position to where he's likely standing up uh the vast majority of the time and do you remember tim williams at alabama yeah 
Okay. That would be kind of similar to the mold of, of Waller in the sense that not quite big enough to be an end, explosive skills off the edge, all right? Maybe not your true, you know, physical, inside, rugged linebacker type. He's just kind of somewhere in between all of that. And, and we're seeing so many of those guys now because of the three-man front, right? Mm-hmm. And not just the 3-4, but the 3-3-5, three, three, the 3-5-3. Three, three. Like, there has to be a guy that you're – he's your Swiss Army knife. Um, for Clemson, that was Isaiah Simmons. And we've seen guys, the, 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 the linebacker, the true freshman that is going to be probably a top three overall pick, the kid at uh, LSU that is just an absolute terror. And now his name escapes me. I have no idea why. Under Armour All-American, top five player for us in the 2022 class. Um, We're looking it up. 40. Oh, Harold Perkins. Boom. Oh, Perkins. that guy's yeah. number 40. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's an absolute freak. But again, not big enough to be a defensive end, not your traditional linebacker, but he could play every single role within the box. Okay. Uh, where do you project? I know I asked you this like nine months ago, but I'm going to do this again because he's such a phenomenal player. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Where do you project Sunterreen Perkins again, Luke's? Outside linebacker and potentially as an edge player. Uh, now, he's a, he's bigger at the same stage than than Waller uh, is currently at the same time, if you were to compare the, the two of them. Okay. Um, but similar – but the other thing, too, with, with Sunterine, you know, initially we had him in our athlete category because the first two years when we were watching him, he was far more of an offensive player than he was a defensive player. He was kind of a sub-package guy that was sprinkled in on defense here and there. But he looked like a wide receiver, H-back, tight end type of guy. And so up until we got him into the senior year, and then we put him at linebacker in the Under Armour game, and he might have been pound for pound the best defensive player in the game. That's how good he's going to be, in my opinion. Now, you know, I'm, I'm basing that on physical attributes. I'm not basing that on, you know, any knowledge of something that could arise that we don't have a, a predictive measure of. Sure. But his, his skill level – um, and, and instincts for the position, I, I just think are outstanding. I really do. Yeah, he's he doesn't get to campus until this summer, but he sounds, which is unheard of now, but he sounds, uh, as far as physical attributes, like a guy who could probably figure it out pretty quick in June and July in the weight room and 20 or so practices. I, I would think he's, and, and that's their weaker unit this year, Golding will find a spot for him probably pretty early, if at all possible. Luke, I would be stunned. I would be stunned if in the opening week depth chart he's not in the two D. Yeah, yeah, that's. In Which fact, means he's going to play at least fifty percent of the snaps and probably eventually become the full time guy. Okay. Somebody told me he's the best prospect to come out since Willie Gay. Uh, of uh, and and they Ooh. mentioned Charles Cross. 
But Cross was a late bloomer. We kind of went through we went through this huge deal where we had all these guys coming out, AJ Brown and Jeffrey oh, yeah. Simmons and Fletcher and Chris Jones DK. and DK just crazy. And then Willie Gay was kind of the last uh, well, and Cam Akers, but late last guy. Then we went kind of went through a little dip. But Charles Cross was a late bloomer. I think Sunterreen is a guy who could get on the field and and be rolling around there game three or four, maybe even a starter, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no question. And uh, and he's, I mean, he's an upgrade. I mean, if it, when you get to the level where you're recruiting and a freshman's an upgrade, you're doing a pretty good job. Sure, sure. Um, this is a big year. You've got Mississippi kids. How about this kid, Daniel Hill? That's in your ESPN 300 from Meridian. He's listed as a tight end, but I think he's going to have several options as to what his college coach or, or coaches want to do with him. But what's your evaluation on Daniel Hill out of Meridian? Well, it's interesting you you reference you know the, the the tight end position. He's another one of those guys. I don't think he's tall enough to play tight end. Um, we we would put him in more of an athlete type of category mm-hmm. to figure out like where he could project. Um, he's built kind of like a fullback in, in in many senses. So if you were to play in the offensive side of the football, he would have to be a little bit more of your traditional or your non traditional H back movement type of guy, as opposed to a hand on the ground type of player. But he may also be a guy that you look at and you say, hey, this guy this guy might end up you know, being a defensive guy. Right. Our, our take on that with high school kids in particular is that if the guy can play football and he shows natural instincts and he meets, you know, whatever you deem the measurable standard needs to be, okay, then you take him and you worry about the position later. You figure it out. You know, you, you, you throw him in a training camp, see how he survives, how does he, how does he play, and, and can he um, – and can he adapt and can he learn? And then, okay, let's just say it doesn't work at one position. You say, okay, well, this guy's scheme versatile. He can play on both sides of the ball. Let's move him around and, and figure out what you're going to do with him once you get him. Nobody has to sit there and say, well, we're going to recruit this guy as this, and this is the only place we're going to look at him. I think he's one of those guys that they can kind of figure it out as they go along. Okay, let's stay on this. Startville High School, which has produced some insane talent over the years. Braylon Burnside is number 135 on your ESPN 300. Six foot 195. He's an athlete. What is your evaluation of Braylon Burnside out of Starble, Luke's? Well, number one, he's uh, a multi-sport athlete, which I think is important. I think that's more important maybe than most things nowadays uh, as far as being able to participate and and not overtrain or overemphasize uh, one position. I think he probably projects as a safety or a wideout, um, depending on you know what the need is or, or where he feels most comfortable. Uh, good size, not elite. You know, he's not a big six foot two, six foot three, two hundred and ten pound imposing kid. He's about six foot, one hundred and eighty five, one hundred and ninety pounds. Has tested really well in the past, which means that when you're trying to see if the in person evaluation and the measurables and the testing match up with the tape. With him, it does. Okay. Love it. All right. Uh, Jeffrey Rush out of Pascagoula is committed Ooh, to... down on the coast. Yes. And and that 
when I was growing up, Shane Matthews' dad was at Pascagoula, and Buckley and Shane and and all those dudes came out in the late 80s, and they were unbelievable, um, and they won the state championship and so on. Pascagoula kind of went away for a while. But Jeffrey Rush is uh, listed at 6'3", 255. He's number 138 on your um, ESPN 300. Uh, how does he project for you and your team, Luke's? So he's one of those guys that right now is a bit of a tweener between being an inside guy or an edge guy. He doesn't quite have the length that you would like to have on the edge in terms of you know being a six foot five, six foot six guy with really really good arm length, and he's not he's also not necessarily built yet to play the tackle spot. I think that eventually that's where he'll grow into because unless he grows in terms of length and height, his natural position given his leverage and his body build is to probably become a 280-pound guy, 285, 290-pound guy, and play on the inside as a disruptive, probably three technique. I don't know if he'll ever get big enough to be a guy that you'd say, okay, well, we got we to gotta play with this guy uh, on the nose or, or in the one-technique gap where he's going to take on double teams and he's going to be able to anchor versus a point of attack. That's not what type of player he is. So I think it depends on what his growth level will end up being, okay. uh, does he gain length? And if he does, he can stay on the edge. If he doesn't, he's going to have to gain weight. He'll move down. Okay, so at 255, could always get to 285, maybe over a few years and so on, grow into that. Oh, sure. And uh, plug the middle. Tom Luganville, ESPN 300. Uh, he joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Of course, Lugs has been involved with the uh, Under Armour All-American game for how many years, Tom? Well, let's see. It started in 2008, so... 15. It's a long time. Yeah, okay. Crazy, right? That is long crazy. Fast, I'll tell you that much. I know, too fast. Uh, Cameron Beavers from Bay Springs is 196 on the ESPN 300. Defensive tackle. Y'all have got him at about 6'3", 315. What can you tell me about Cameron Beavers? Now, that's your typical inside guy that we were just talking about. That's your... Your true nose, your one technique, space eater, occupier of space, um, just really big and strong at the point of attack. Um, Now, the question you have with guys like that sometimes is how often can they stay on the field or for how long can they stay on the field? Because, you know, conditioning comes into play and, you know, you you look, if you're an early down guy, there's generally a reason and it has to do with stature and build and, and so what, what I always look at with guys of that size is what type of body composition do they have and what type of condition are they going to put themselves in as far as work ethic and being in a position to where they may look super-duper big, and they are, but they're in tremendous shape because that's going to keep you on the field longer. Mm-hmm. Now, I still think size, when it comes to that type of size, is going to limit you to early down production. But, you know, what does everybody want to do with early down production? They want the offense to be in third and long, right? So if you're in the game on the first and second down, you're stopping the run, and you're doing some pretty good things, um, that guy goes off the field, now all your jackrabbits come on the field and you start rushing the passer. Right. So, you know, obviously there's a huge correlation between, you know, size and body type and how many downs you're going to play based off the position and how big you are at defensive tackle. 
this class is loaded in Mississippi. It's deep. There's, it really is. It's a really good class. Um, I mean, there. I'm hearing from people who believe that guys coming in at like the 22nd rated player, 24, 28, are dudes that can that can play power five. So we went through a little bit of a dip, and now we've got another loaded class. Let's go to Chris Davis Jr., athlete out of Picayune, Mississippi. He's not big, but he's talented. He's committed to Ole Miss. Uh, how does where does Chris Davis Jr. project for you? Um, that's a great question because you just mentioned you just mentioned the size, and so I think he's going to end up being like a scat back, like a dynamic utility weapon, the guy that comes in on passing down, the guy that can line up in the backfield and then motion out of the backfield, and now you got to worry about him in the passing game. And be your guy that's like your jet sweep, end around, bubble screen guy on the perimeter that you could get into space, let him make people miss. Because he's not going to be a guy. If you're committed to a place like Old Miss and you're that size at running back, um, it's going to be tough for you to hold up as an every down back, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that um, he's going to – and it doesn't mean you're a role player. It just means you're a utility player. You're a player that has a unique skill set that can be utilized – um, and it's interesting too, because there's not a lot of guys like that, that, that Lane has actively pursued, right. Or had coached at a place like Alabama or SC or some of these other places. So a little bit of a deep ah, type of back Ole Miss has been playing with. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. I like where you went there compared to what they, what they went through out at, at Southern Cal for, well, even at Bama to a certain extent. But definitely, sure. definitely Southern Cal. I tell you what, man, Lane uh, Kiffin is—he's like a a soundbite Hall of Fame type guy. I mean, he's gotten to the point where you know because he's an introvert, as you know, and yep. But but he's gotten to where he's really comfortable in front of the microphone, and I mean, he's just talking and talking and talking about the different. Uh, you know, I guess things that are happening within the world of college football, and it's mm-hmm. really it's really content and radio gold for us, Luke's. <laughs> well, when when you have a guy like him that's not afraid to voice his opinion, he's he's the SEC's version of Mike Gundy. Yes, like Mike Gundy in the Big Twelve does not give two licks about what anybody thinks of him. He doesn't care how his opinion comes off and what type of criticism he'll receive. He calls it like it is. He calls it like he sees it. Does it make him right every time? No, but it's refreshing and you at least appreciate it. Like he's one of the guys when we do coaches meetings that, you know, when you ask him a question, he's not going to give you the typical coach speak and be all paranoid and not want to give anything away. I mean, he'll he'll tell you if I I had him last year, we were, uh, we had Texas, Oklahoma State, and they had come off of a double overtime loss to TCU the week before, and they should have beat TCU. And then the week before that, they had played, and they won, I think at Baylor, and Spencer Sanders gets hurt, right? So we're going into the Texas game. They're hosting it in Stillwater. And he comes right on the call and says, we asked, you know, how you could tell on tape that Spencer didn't look all the way healthy and he, and he didn't look like he was able to utilize the full strength of his arm and his capability. And Mike Gundy goes, well, that's probably because 
he has not stepped foot on the practice field in 12 days. Wow. We're like, what? He goes, yeah, we had to sit him. He goes, the only way we could get him ready to actually play the game is he could not practice. He couldn't throw. He didn't go through non-padded drills. And this is where we're at right now. It's not ideal, but it's the only way to get us to the point where we can put our, our, our best people on the field. And, like, most coaches wouldn't tell you that. No. They don't want that out there. you know. And so that's where, that's where Lane, I think, has a lot of similarities with him. Yeah. Gundy is, man, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Him. Golly. I love him. Blake, you yeah. told me uh, he and Whittingham, now that Ferentz has stepped down, are the longest tenured college football coaches in the country, I think, Power Five. Incredible. Wow. Um, all right, Tom Luganville, uh, have a good trip to Seattle, and and we'll catch you up next week or the next, depending on your, your travel and everything that's going on. Thanks for hitting us up on the Mississippi prospects. That was awesome. I can yeah, tell by the text line. On the spot right there. You don't even tell me. I'm sorry. Well, you were you were great, man. I mean, we went through and you nailed it. And this is a huge <laughs> class for. Well, Arnett and Kiffin really are good. trying to keep some of these dudes in state. And then you got Saban, Kirby, well, Freeze, and Kelly circling. So, and that's an indicator, Bo. Is when you have a if you have a state in a year like that, and your in-state schools can keep them home, it's a reflection on perception being changed. True. Well. Mullen and Freeze did a great job. Uh, Leach and Kiffin have kept several. They're not going to keep them all, but uh, you know you got to get at least a handful of the top ones and then fill it out. All right, bud. We'll talk next week. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. See the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105, Down the Zone, is brought to you by Sound and Communication, soundcomav.com. Don't forget, first pitch for the Mississippi Braves today at 11.05 in Pearl. First pitch, 11.05.